All right, Bill. Got a question for you. What's your go-to coffee drink? I don't drink coffee. Tea? Nothing? Like when you go to a coffee house, what do you... Like we're sitting in a Starbucks. And I found out that caffeine doesn't work for me. I get, I'm get i actually allergic to it. Really? So if anything, I'll have herbal tea. Oh, okay. Okay. And I used to drink a lot of iced tea, but of regular, you know, black iced tea, but yeah. no more. No more of that? No Not more. today? <laughs> All right. Cool. Sounds good. Welcome into the Conifer Community Church Podcast. I'm your host, Wesley Humes, and we're back with another episode. I got a special guest with me today, Bill Taves. Welcome to the podcast. How we doing, buddy? Good. It's a beautiful day. Sure. More snow, more, more sunshine. <laughs> more snow, more sunshine. So if you can actually project, uh, when do you? what do you think we'll have weather-wise the first week of March? Because that's when this is going to air. So you're speaking into the future. Typically, more snow. And more ice. <laughs> and praise God, because we're actually in a desert climate. People don't know that about Colorado. You know we actually are a desert climate? Well, I've been here for since 1967. <laughs> so I've seen quite a bit. 67. Uh, so just a small question. What were you doing in 92? 92, I yeah. was... Uh, in business with my father-in-law, running a heating and air conditioning business. Oh, HVAC work. Okay. My roommate is a HVAC worker, and I was born in '92, so that's when the cry. There was a afternoon in East Tennessee when the cries of a newborn baby came into this world, <laughs> and he's now sitting in front of you. Well, one of the big reasons we have you here today is um, you're an elder at the church. Correct. So, super cool honor. We thank you for your service as you have been here and been working at the church. Um, I think one of the interesting questions I want to start with is the whole point of this is to get to know you better as an individual. You know, we, we I know you well. The people in your Bible study are going to know you well. But how does the normal person who goes to our church, um, what, would you, what would you tell them about yourself? Like, yeah, we're... How did you become an elder? Let's start there. When did you become an elder? How long have you been on the board? Um, and, yeah, walk us through that process. So I think I've been on the board about a year and a half. Yeah. Because um, <clears throat> I believe, if my memory serves me correctly, you came in after during COVID. It was our first, it was like April, middle of April or maybe May. I thought it was a little later than that. But, yeah, I remember the interview that we do with the congregation was outside uh, yep. In the circle, might have been June then because I don't I don't remember if it was May or June when we started doing that, but it wasn't too far out from when we realized being outside was okay for COVID. So, so I had been uh, uh, obviously director of the missions department uh, for some time. Not obviously, people might not know that. So you're the director <laughs> of the missions department. We're going to get to that a little later, but yeah. Like, how did you how did you get involved with Conifer? Maybe it's a better question to begin with. Wow, that's a little bit of a long story, but I'll try to condense it. Um, we had been part of a large church down down the hill, involved in the missions program down there, and uh, it was pretty obvious that the administration and staff of that church was turning a corner uh, away from missions 
And if that's what they were going to do, we were going to find someplace else. Yeah. And my wife, uh, Lorreen, um, had been involved with some of the ladies' programs at Conifer Community Church because her sister Susie Beck mm. had been here for 30 years. Oh, wow. And so... And it, when did you guys move to the Conifer area? We that moved is. up here in 2000. Oh, uh, okay. So it had been a minute. Yeah, we've... Uh, and we were continuing to go down the hill, uh, but we decided it was time for a change. So actually, at that point, we actually went to another larger, larger church, not as large, but um, in the Littleton area for about five years. Waterstone, right? Waterstone. Oh, it's a great church. And um, we, need just, we need to take a break. That's all there was. We, we just needed to take a break. We were pretty, pretty involved with everything at the other church. And so for five years, mm. we basically showed up for Sunday morning. And when they said amen, we walked out the door, didn't establish any relationships, didn't get involved in any groups or anything. Uh, but then it came around to, I when we left the other large church uh, uh, down the hill, I helped found a nonprofit missions organization okay. called International Hope Builders. And uh, I met with those guys for breakfast like every week. Okay. So I had my connections. I had my outlet. I had my accountability. I had all that good stuff. My wife didn't have anything. So, so you still had community in the midst of your break. So you weren't fully checking out of the church. Like, not the big church. Not, not mm. the big C. We're talking about the big C church. Right. Like you still had accountability. You still had groups. So you weren't isolated. No, no, no. We, I, I, I had great friends, great connections. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the problem that I began to see is that my wife didn't. Oh, uh, okay. And so that wasn't working for me or her. Yeah. So at sense. some point, it's been, I think it'll be eight years coming up in October. Oh, wow. I told her, I said, uh, you know, let me back up even further. Before we went to the Church of 2000 down the hill, Yeah. Uh, we left a Church of 30. Oh, yeah, yeah, where you were... We did everything. Yeah. Weren't you a head elder, or was that your father-in-law? Or? Uh, my dad was the pastor at one time. He had since moved on. Oh, okay. We stayed, I stayed here when we got married. But anyway, hmm. we... Uh, so we had gone from 30 to 2,000. Wow. And I didn't think I was ready for, quote, a small church again, which I considered Conifer at that time to be a small church. Yeah. So, but I told her, I said, if... If you th- want to, if you think this will work for you, I'll give it a try. Yeah. So we started coming, and four or five weeks after we started coming, Pastor Lance came to me and he says, "I've got your name and phone number on my desk." I said, well, "What for?" Because <laughs> maybe he wanted to get to know you. Yeah. Well, there was an maybe. ulterior motive. There was never <laughs> what Lance has never had an ulterior motive. I said, "What for?" And he said, "Well." The guy that headed up our missions department, which is John Martin, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, moved and took a church out in Washington State, and he says, "I I need somebody to take care of that, and I think you might be the guy." Oh, okay. And I said, "Well, we'll pray about that." It's wise seek the Lord as you're about to, because you're just starting in a new church and you're asked to step into a leadership role fairly quickly. You know, for most churches, you usually are attending for at least in my experience, about six months before you really sip, step into leadership roles. Well, needless to say, I took that position and what? have been trying uh, to uh, fulfill that obligation. Uh, COVID has made it really difficult, frankly. 
yeah. uh, to do what I need to do with them. I, I stay in contact with our missionaries and all that. But as far as getting our own people involved, has been challenging. So it's really on my radar right now to make that happen in 2022. Yeah, and we'll get into some of the goals that you see the church needing to move towards. So to, to answer your question, though, about eldership, I, 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 I had... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't noticed yet bill's pretty passionate about missions and we'll turn the conversation to missions real quick um, continue back to eldership uh, <laughs> i'd had i'd started to have conversations with pastor every five or six weeks we'd sit down for a two or three hour marathon yeah conversation where we talk about a myriad of things nothing specific but theological stuff church stuff and it came up one day about the possibility of uh because they were uh, uh, Mark Van Vike was wanting to retire from the board. Yep. There was a vacancy, uh, and there was another person getting ready uh, to retire from it. And so we talked about the possibility, and I, I said that I would uh, allow my name to run. Yeah. So, again, the rest is history, and that was, like I say, a year and a half ago pushing. Mm. About a year and a half at this point. Yeah, because I think it's one of those – and, you know, I'd love to hear your comments on what you, how you kind of view your eldership role and different things of that nature. But, you know, to step down and to retire or to step down from the elder board is, it's something that's very important, but it's also a hard thing. Because, you know, eldership is not something that you just walk away from or that leadership or that ability is not just something you step away from. But it's something that you do. Like, it is a, it is a calling. It is a... Um, it is an important aspect of a church and whether you're on the board or not when you have worked in that title it is it's something very very powerful um, even going well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge responsibility especially when there's uh, there's five of us and counting pastor okay and so and he's a non-voting member he right? is that's correct okay and so the other four of us basically make the final decisions when it comes to you know uh, a myriad of things obviously yeah. on as you guys are hearing this last week dave uh tried to fire me actually on the podcast and i said you're gonna need three more votes before that happens <laughs> <laughs> just kidding just kidding but yeah so you guys make all of these things because or all these decisions because, like, you guys could fire Pastor Lance, myself. You could clean house of the entire paid staff. With, well, uh, not that you would want to, but you have, like, we serve, we as the paid staff serve you guys and go in the direction that you guys choose. Uh, but bottom line, we, we're more responsible for the spiritual uh, mm. leadership of the church. Yeah. And that would involve staff, obviously, if we feel that the staff is doing a good, a good job. With the spiritual leadership, we have a trustee board that handles yeah. the financial stuff in the church. Yeah. So, it, although it comes to us for final approval, go ahead. Uh, it's it. They're they're doing all the number crunching and and recommendations. If we have questions, we send it back. If not, we'll approve it. But we're more responsible for the spiritual uh, health mm. of the church. Where uh, if if there's issues that need to be dealt with, we get to deal with them. Uh, if there's staff they get to deal with, um, you know, with along with pastor, we'll we'll dive into it if necessary. So that's kind of our major role. So, kind of 
going back into history as we were talking about earlier, what was your ideal of elderships whenever you kind of got involved? Because you've been in the church for a while. Even your dad, you just said your dad was a lead pastor. Um, were there elders in your church growing up? What did you think about it? Like, how did how, what was the idea of eldership to you? So again, that progression in my life in the church that my dad pastored, there was no board, there was no elders. Um, there was kind of uh, unspoken leadership because you you stepped up yeah. to take responsibility for whatever it was. But when we moved to the large 2,000 member church, uh, I was on that board for several years. And that board grew to over 20. Wow. So I had experience. um, And in that process, there was some major issues that had to be dealt with. uh, That uh, So I felt like I had some experience. Uh, The other thing is that I had, uh, I ran my own business for 36 years. Okay. And so uh, 19 of those with my father-in-law, who was a wonderful man in heaven today, but uh, he gave me a lot, a, a marvelously godly man, yeah. gave me a lot of wisdom and insight. He was on the board of his church for mm. 30 plus years. That's super cool. So, uh, again, gave me a lot of insight there. So in my conversation with Lance, I felt like I had some, something to offer, uh, with okay. experience in administration and leadership, um, and just business stuff. Yeah. Um, so just you know, a good sense of running something and knowing what it's like to sit in leadership of a business, because it's not, yes, the church has to function in some ways of making sure the checkbook balances and things of that nature. And we're making smart decisions and that's where being a small business owner can really and Let's be honest with kind of every church is in the people business. Yes. And we've got to do what it takes to make sure that those people are, taken care of that those mm. people are being motivated you know the whole gamut yeah. of being in the people business and even in another in the hvac business i really was in the people business there too because i had employees i had customers i had suppliers all those people had to be dealt with yeah. uh on a uh in, in one way or another and you like it or not you gain experience yeah and dealing with people is hard because it's not the same as like crunching numbers or Hard, maybe challenging is a better word because hard is not the right word because I love working in the church and I love working for the Lord's church. And there are some challenges that come with that. And so I think that's an interesting perspective, especially as we think about what what these elders are doing to, or you as an elder and what future elders are doing as they are running the church. Because when we look scripturally, we have deacons, we have elders, and the importance of those to the life and the body of the church is so critical because it is truly like one day I could step away from Conifer Community Church. It's a reality. Don't know when it's going to be. Don't have any plans to step away. I'm not giving you my two weeks right now. I'm not. But there could be a moment where the Lord does call me somewhere else. And it's important to have people who are in this community, this community being Conifer that are planted here, that are staying here, regardless of what their job situation might be, they're staying in this place. You know, I I told you we moved up here in 2000, which was 22 years ago. Uh, I also retired, quote unquote, about three years ago. Okay. 
and uh, actually, yeah, three years ago now. And uh, so from from business, yeah. So felt like I had some t- available time, okay, that I could uh, dedicate to eldership if necessary. Uh, my wife and I are not ones to sit around and and uh, watch TV all day. Not at all. That's just not our mo. And so we're we're either we like to travel, see our kids, uh, do other things. Uh, um, but uh, we we're busy. But I feel like I could dedicate some time. Yeah, and also Lorraine's an amazing. Your wife is one of my Bible study leaders, and I still have a funny story about her of when she came on to work with us. It was because I needed a female leader to go to camp with me. And literally, I think it was two weeks before we were supposed to leave for camp, I called her and was like, hey, what are you doing in two weeks? Like, how do you feel about coming to hang out with some teenagers for a little while? Because I'm in desperate need right now. <laughs> well, uh, and I, when she told me about that, I said, why would they want a, a, grandma, a retired grandma to be a, a, a counselor at camp? And it boils down to the fact that a retired grandma's got a lot of experience and a lot of wisdom, so why not? 100%. And also, like, with youth ministry stuff, I'm looking for people who love teenagers. Like, as long as you're teachable and love teenagers, we can work together. But if you don't have those two things, then why why would you be volunteering in that role? But as we think about it towards missions, it's kind of that same mindset, where if you don't, ha- if you don't love a certain aspect of the mission or what God has called us to through the Great Commission— it's not something you're going to be passionate about and you're going to wash out or not want to do it anymore. You know, going back to my experience in the really large congregation, there was a guy that was the head of the missions council at that, what they called at that point. And he thought everybody had to be called to missions. Hmm. And I, I disagreed with that. Because of the word calling, or what do you think? What is your Well, I mean, in, in, general call, in general, we're all called to missions. I get that. Yes. But when specifically, when it comes to missions projects, whether you're dedicating your finances to that, you need to, be, uh, you need to be feel called and passionate about it, or it's not going to work. There's other things in the church, obviously, besides missions. Yeah. There's, there's children's, there's youth, there's music, there's outreach there's all kinds of different things there's a wood ministry so if if missions per se uh is not your thing find what it is yeah uh, and do it but but i'm not going to sit here and say you have to be involved in the missions program yeah that that's not the way i roll i want people who want to be there and are passionate about it and say share the same um uh same vision that that i have for it i I, excitement because you know. I have a, a statement. Some people say, well, it, doesn't it take a lot of time and effort? I said, yeah. And if I didn't love it so much, I'd fuss about it. It's true. You know, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Because I think that's one of the things that I've admired about you from afar for a while is how passionate you are about missions. And it's not just for missions for missions sake. It's the fact of like you truly want to care for our missionaries. You're checking in with our missionaries. You're making sure they're feeling supported and established from the home base. And, you know, we've had some situations and we've had some people in, you know, places where the gospel is not well received that have had to get out of those situations pretty quickly. And so it's the reality that we 
And you, by way, have been so in tune with him that it was like, okay, let's let's pull the trigger. We need to yeah. we need to move, and we need to do this for the safety of all. So. Yeah, it's 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 interesting that we have a pretty wide gamut of people that we support. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, what you just mentioned a, a minute ago was a family that was in Asia. That uh, it was time. They, it was obvious they had to come home. Yeah. Because of the the uh, political situation was getting flat dangerous. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we've got another family that uh, a couple that uh, was in Japan and they've kind of semi retired, but still very, very involved. Our, our latest uh, outreach is to Uruguay, which is a totally different animal altogether. Yeah. They were uh, the Robinsons, I believe. The Roberts. The Roberts. They were on the podcast in the very, very early stages of this. Uh, Uruguay is is interesting in that they're affluent. They they they're the, a country that uh, they don't really quote need anything financially. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to send a team over there to build something because they already have it. Yeah. But they also are very difficult to evangelize because they don't feel like they need Jesus. Mm. And so Uruguay has been considered the the. Uh, cemetery, the the cemetery the graveyard for missionaries because they quit. Gonna- I thought you were going to say the the seminary for for missionaries. And I was so like, they, no, uh, they that's a cemetery. They actually, groups many have just left. Said we give up. Yeah. And so and the Roberts told me that, so they know what they're getting into, and I'm really excited to see what they're going to come up with. Of course, then we've got uh, the other couple that's down at the uh, their uh, campus missionaries at ASU, mm-hmm. and they're Arizona just, State University for those of you who might be international or on the East Coast. Doing a great job with, with 60, 70, 80 college kids every weekend and, in the, and during the week as well. It's huge. They're doing a great job, and we're supporting them as well. So mm-hmm. um, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm, just, I'm really happy with the group we've got. Um, there's another one potentially on the horizon that I'm not even going to tell you who it is because that's not appropriate at the moment, but there's some other things germinating as well. Oh, that's always fun. Well, you know, it's something that's super passionate, and we as a church love the ability that we can have the financial means. Because if you didn't know this about our church is that we give um, 10% of all the offering that is given to us is then then turned and sent back into either local missions, um, uh, both or local missions or um, abroad missions to us having a church, having our integrity as our church to have our tithe as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's that's a blessing for me as the as the director, knowing that for every dollar that comes into that church, ten cents is going to go to the missions program, and yep. it, it's allowed us to do some things that, that frankly, a lot of churches can't. Yeah, because of the dedication and the commitment we've made uh, for those dollars. Yeah, and it's super. It's also super challenging. Not to find people because it's not that, but it's figuring out who the right people are. Because, you know, we, we could give to World Venture, we could give to uh, World Race or stuff like that, but it's actually finding people who are going to be committed to our to the missions and also coming back to see us where we're not just a percentile, but that we can help connect faces to everything as it's happening. So. You know, it's interesting, too. Um, of the four 
families that we support, three of them are young. When I say young, they're, they're under 50. Uh, woo! Here and, we go. And uh, one has four kids. Another one is on college campus. Yeah. The other one has three younger kids under 12. Mm. So uh, that's and that's friends. That's challenging. Yeah, because you're you're taking, you know, we've had a family that came from this community, I believe, that went down to Venezuela, I believe, that had young young kids. Oh, you're talking about Honduras. Honduras. Sorry, they went to the backwoods of Honduras and very quickly realized that it was not it was not what it they signed up for or it was not exactly what they thought there were some extenuating circumstances in that deal where uh, language barriers that uh, the uh, the wife in that situation didn't uh, didn't do the language school yeah and she found herself <coughs> excuse me very isolated uh, uh, because she really couldn't communicate with very them. well and and just and with young children, it just became too much. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you, though, I've had conversations with them since, and their hearts are still missions people. Trust me. That's huge. And that's and I wasn't throwing shade. Like, I want to make that very clear to anybody that we're not throwing shade at things. It's that it can be a time and spacing thing. Because I just sent a buddy of mine that I personally support. He's uh, over in the Middle East doing doing work there in a very Muslim-heavy area. And he said, dude, I could be back in six months. Like, there's a reality where I am going with the heart that I feel like the Lord is calling me to this area with him, his wife, and his young daughter um, to go there and be faithful to the Lord. And it might go belly up in six months. Or it could be incredibly useful and God uses him there and everything works out great and he's there for 10 years. Well, it so. was an experience for this family that they had to go through. Yeah. And, uh, and they went through it, and they're, like I said, they're, they're still huge missions people, and I wouldn't be surprised if we wouldn't find them back in the field at some point. Yeah, because I think that's one of the hard things of missions is it's, it's sexy on the outside of like, oh, you're going to be a missionary. How brave, how awesome. X, Y, and Z. Like some of the hardcore missionaries that I know went to Hawaii and they got made fun of. But what they didn't real, what the people in the States didn't realize is how isolating and how hard it is to do mission work in Hawaii. I say all that to say is it sounds sexy from the front part or from us looking at it being here stateside. But once you're there and you don't know the language and you are away from your family and you can't just, you know, hop a flight to go see your mom and dad when you got young kids, you're legitimately isolated in a foreign country. It's almost like taken, but for the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. It, that, it, it, it's a commitment that, uh, on the, again, like you say, it's sexy on the outside. When you get down to the nuts and bolts and the nitty gritty, it's a commitment that very few people actually have and can make. Yeah. And it's so hard isn't the right word because it's, 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 it's bigger than that. But it, it, it is a commitment. It is something that if you don't feel legitimately passionate about and called to, you won't make it. Yeah. And we got a little sidetrack within eldership and missions and those different things. But as you're turning your sights to 20, 2022, what do you think this? What do you think Conifer is going to be 
where do you think we as a community are kind of heading as best as you know as a community as far as uh the church is concerned or? yes okay so our church what it, where where are you seeing us needing either needing to work on or continue to pray over or is a constant theme for us well obviously uh with god willing this pandemic is coming to a close hopefully and uh we we just got rid of the mask mandates last weekend and i'm one of the things that that i'm hopeful for and hope i don't get in too much trouble for saying this oh boy but you know we spent a lot of legitimate time money and effort to go online last year yeah and we had no choice that was how we did church and now it's getting kind of comfortable for some folks to just mm-hmm. stay in their jammies with a cup of coffee and go to church at home. And I'm, I'm ready to see folks back in the building. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's a challenge. Uh, and here's why. I don't just say that just to be saying it so we can have bigger numbers. That's not the point. Okay, so what is the point? The point is this. We're herd animals. We yep. need community. We need fellowship. We need to support each other. We need to inspire each other. We need to push each other. Um, uh, there's a verse that says, to, to, to don't neglect the, the gathering of yourselves together, even so much as you see the day approaching. Mm-hmm. And that day's coming, Lord willing, and we need to have each other to support each other and to be uh, there for each other. And as a team, as a, as a church, be thrust back into our community the best we can to uh, bring the gospel to Conifer. So how would we then answer the question of, because something I just thought of, and this is not an attacking thing, but what if we are people who are saying, oh, we're just tired and kind of the similar situation that you guys were in when you were at Waterstone? Like, how do we then balance that too? Because if we're herd animals, and I would even say to your situation, you had a intentional people that you were meeting with and being fed by and being in, in the big C church. But how do we then balance that? You know, once again, I think it comes down to desire. It comes down to uh, need. People understand that even though it may be comfortable to isolate, um, I'm going to push people to come together. Yeah. Because I think, and and some people may choose to stay online if they, at least they're staying online. Yeah. Continue Uh, to use our services and... Obviously, we're not asking you to be 52-week attenders no. or anything like that. There's but, nothing wrong with staying home in your jammies. But also, there's a difference between staying home in your jammies and watching online and isolating yourself. Because we're not, you're right, we're herd animals. Yeah. We're not built for that. So, yeah, and we've talked about that. In fact, Lance mentioned it at the congregational meeting okay. on Sun, uh, last Sunday that uh, we need to, how do we connect with those people? Yeah. And the word is, the key word is connect. Yeah. We have to connect. And how do you connect if, if, if you only see them on an email or, or, or on Zoom on the, online on their comments? Okay. Um, I'm, I'm all for physically connecting. So whatever that means, um, whether it's, you know, back to more community uh, stuff in the church, whether mm. it's breakfast on Sunday morning, whether it's uh, lunches, whether, whatever it is. Uh, I'm all for, uh, I'm all for fellowship and community. 
Yeah. Well, Bill, thank you so much for your time uh, and just your heart for missions, for your el- role as an elder, and for um, your role in our church. Because there's one thing, like I said earlier, I've admired about each of the elders individually, Dave Wampler, and how much that man prays. We talked about it with him on his episode, but to you, it truly is with missions and your hope to see this community come together and also for the gospel to be taken to the ends of the earth. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We appreciate it. We hope to have you on soon. Otherwise, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye now. Kisses. Kisses.